the discipline of study is what we're going to talk about today. Now, don't turn off the brains yet. There are a few words better designed to kill all interest than the word study. For many of us, it brings back memories of assignments and homework that we grudgingly slogged our way through because there was a promise that one of these days we'd be using this, and we didn't. And there wasn't, and it was all a lie. Unless you're young, in which case, do it anyway. We did it. You're no better than us. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. We, many of the things, we couldn't have cared less about the subject. But we had to do it anyway, because that's the rules. Study. Now, some teachers can make a subject come alive. I had a history teacher that would act out scenes. Brilliant. Every so often, he'd leap up on his desk, and he's talking about the army was coming from this side, and the other was coming from that side. We're looking around. We're about ready for it. I love history in part because of people like this. I love words and music and poetry because of Miss Boswell, who I have tried several times to track down and thank her. She was a sparrow-looking bird kind of creature to us, and odd in every way. And yet, when we found out we had to take her class, we're all going, oh, this won't go well. And we go in there, and she... She made words come alive. We actually, a group of ninth and 10th graders, fell in love with Shakespeare. That's not easy to do, but we did. All because she made it come alive. But there are the other teachers who can take a wonderful, fascinating study subject and kill it dead right in front of you. There you are having to examine the dead bones of what used to be interesting. I get that too. But study is something God has called us to do. In fact, God, even through Paul, tells us it makes us noble. In, in Acts 17 and verse 11, But the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They were noble because they questioned. You may have seen our three grandsons were with us this morning, where well, the three that are here um, were with us uh, this morning. Fen, seven, and I did electric experiments yesterday and had a lot of fun with it. Well, as he sat in the pew, he looked up at him and he says, why do, why do I have, why am I going to be a scientist? Because he's convinced he is, and I am too. He said, why did God make me a scientist? How do, how do we know? I said, when you're born asking questions and you never quit, that's a scientist. And he just grinned. Okay, he's in. Christians need to do it too. How many times have we been told, that's it, believe it, don't ever question. That's not done here. We have the right to question. Because the Jews did all, have you read the Old Testament? It was full of questioning God going, right, I know this is what you've said, but God, maybe I have not considered a few other things. It's kind of hilarious when you read it. But we are allowed to approach God with questions. And studying, by the way, studying the Bible back in those days, that would have been the Old Testament, that's all they had, would have been brutal. Because you'd have to go find the individual books. Do your level best to get them. And when you did read them, there weren't chapters. There weren't verses. I can remember the first times I would try to tell people where things were in the Bible. I'd, I'd, I, was, I was small and I'd say it's on the left-hand side, about halfway up. 
You remember those days? Do you remember that? For some of you, it's still. But you remember those days? It was by something red. I'm not really sure. And so you'd go through looking like that. And now we have chapters. We have verses. We understand them, but they didn't have any of this. There were no computer searches. There were no concordances. There were no reference materials. It was hard. But they did it daily. Paul tells Timothy about this. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Well, that would be nice. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, in the King James Version, study to show thyself approved unto God. You got got to admit, King James, it has some beautiful phrasing. But study to show yourself approved unto God. And you might think, well, here it says work. You know, the word study is a hard one to translate because it's changed in English. It used to mean something else, but now it means you crack open the books and, or do the, you know, a, a web search and you've got to study it that way. Well, the word study actually has a more interesting history than that. And if you want to know what it used to mean and what it meant to King James, go to Appalachia. Go somewhere in West Virginia, in Eastern Kentucky, in southwestern Virginia, and you'll hear people say, I'm going to need to study on that a while. Or I heard about this, and I studied, and I studied, and I thought, well, or I couldn't sleep last night. I kept studying and studying. They're using the word in the archaic King James form still there. And it means to ponder, to think about, to move around it, to have a good look at it, to see it from all angles. They studied it because they were thinking about it, not because they had reference materials. They studied So think about the word study that way because that is the way it is found in Scripture as we're thinking about it. We're moving it around. We're asking questions. We're trying to find a way to see if we can understand what's going on. But hold on to that thought for a moment. While we look at a little bit of research, well, you're not going to look at it, you're just going to hear it, from the Pew Research Center, which really surprised me, but in a really good way. I had always been told that people when they left high school or college were not studying and were not reading anymore. But the Pew Research Center recently did a large study of reading in America. They said 19% of American adults had not read a book in the preceding 12 months. I would have thought it was a lot higher. Now, it doesn't say they read the whole book. It could be portions. But that's, that's still all right. I... By the way, in some selected populations, that number is sky high. But this is, as a rule, 19% when it's averaged. The amount of time reading each day is falling. It's falling from uh, 25 minutes, I think, 10 years ago, to 19 minutes a day. And I'm really responsible for that, and I like to apologize. Because I always read when I get into bed at night. And I've noticed in the last year or two, I open the book and go, so I'm bringing the average down, and I really apologize for that. But during the day, we we don't really read books as much as we read websites, but we still read. And that that encourages me. We're still reading. Now, men read more nonfiction than fiction. Women read a lot more fiction, but I really was not able to determine when I I looked at the figures if they were reading more fiction than nonfiction. All I know is men read more nonfiction. One of the reasons is, and if you have extra time and would like to do this, go to Barnes & Noble or Books A Million, or if you can find an independent shop, go there. Look at the books that are in the bestsellers. 
you'll find the vast majority of women authors. I talked to a publisher once who had agents and he was looking for books. And he said, the one thing I cannot sell is books by men to men that are fiction. Because men have quit reading fiction. Well, that's not true. But I, I learned after a while that's not true. But it is, you know, even men who write fiction are now writing female characters, trying to get women to read the books. It's mixed results, you know, um, because men can't climb in women's heads. Uh, it's too complicated. Well, seriously, ladies, when, it, when your husband, when you say, what are you thinking about? And he says, nothing. It's either nothing or something you don't want to hear. So <laughs> let it go. Women have never thought nothing in their life, but we're, 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 we're good at it. Are we reading? Yes. Are we studying? Oh, that's where the breaks come on. Because to study, you've got to add to your reading facts, situations, more information. You've got to develop some un uh, information streams to sharpen up what you're reading. And that takes time, intentionality, and space. And who has time to do that? Who has extra time? Like I said, we were house-sitting uh, three boys and uh, our, our grands. They added a puppy into the mix because it just wasn't complicated enough. We kept looking at each other going, our daughter does this every day. Why? You know, I, 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 we, it's, it was, it's amazing. Do you don't have time? Do you have the intentionality and space? And then you got to look at the material. This book. We approach this with a history. We have a history of, being, of, 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 of uh, engaging this book in various ways. It's been presented to us as a set of stories, law. It's uh, got some organizational principles in there, pulled out and shoved together to make a point in the lesson. And it often becomes a chore, <coughs> a chore to hear about it, to read it. We have to be honest, it can be a chore. And so when something happens, we check our watches. Remember them? Only those of a certain age still wear those. Well, now they have them that are really, um, you let your phone get bigger, so you let your watch be, anyway that are connected there. But a regular watch, we check that, we read our Bible, how long have I been here? It's a struggle. We ticked the box, we did our job. Some people don't study because they leave that up to the minister, and that's a bad idea. Because minister, yes. <laughs> don't leave it up to Wayne either, I've met him. <laughs> but I'll, I have to amen the amen. Because ministers are as messed up as you are. We just have a different gig on Sunday. But our Mondays are just as hard as yours. And whereas you get a, thank God it's Friday, we're going, oh no, two days till showtime. You know, I, I better study something because I've got to give a book report on Sunday morning to people who didn't read it. <coughs> I'm a living cliff notes. And that's sad. Some people don't study the Bible because it's been presented to them as a book that nags, chides, and condemns them. And does anybody need more of that in your life? Really? Phil Yancey talked about a woman who was a prostitute. And he invited her to come to church with him. And she said a few curse words and then said, why would I go there? You think I don't get enough rude looks, stares, and judgment on the street that I need to go to church and get it all concentrated? That was her experience. Well, we know that's not the Fourth Avenue experience, 
But we all have to admit, the Bible has been presented to us that way. That we all fail. That we're all bad. And it doesn't, it's, it's rather like, I hate to bring this up, but the Mel Gibson movie about the crucifixion of Christ, it's all pain with like three seconds of maybe hopeful resurrection at the end. So we don't open the Bible unless we have to. And if we do open it, we only go to the places that we like. So deep breath. What does it mean to study the Bible? Or to study as a Christian discipline? Well, first, look at your Bible as a story, as a set of papers left to us. This is an early interaction between God and his people, men and women, some of whom were better at it than others. But God held with them. He kept going. We read and we see where we got it wrong as a people and where we got it right. And we see the patience of God there. The patience that we rely upon, we count upon, we hope for, but we also are frustrated by. I'll explain. Think of the very person you've wondered why God hasn't struck them down in judgment. Just think about them. You don't have to point, just think. Why hasn't he done it? I mean, there are the, the new atheists that are trumpeted all over as wise, smart people. And, and they stand up and rail against God. Why hasn't God struck them down? For the same reason he hasn't struck you down. Because he loves them too. And the love of God thrills us and frustrates us. According to who's getting it at the time. We see that God, walking with God, read the, old, read the Bible, walking with God's not a guarantee of a happy life or a long life. But it is a guarantee of an eternal life, and we are promised that one will be happy. Reading the Bible is complicated. We learn patterns of behavior that bring us closer to God, and we see the patterns that will drive a wedge between us and God. It's useful that way. Right now, people have lost a lot of their social moorings They've lost a lot of the church moorings, faith moorings. They've lost a lot of their self-identity. And there are so many different ways this has happened. And it's, and it's being egged on. And division is preached at us constantly by politicians and by marketers that want us to be divided by what we buy and what we do and where we eat. And it just, it's frustrating. So people look for identity markers. And so they buy DNA kits from Ancestry.com or 23andMe or any of a dozen others that are there. And by the way, that's a lot of fun. That's, it's a, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I've done it, and I find it fun. Although it's kind of boring. You know, they sent me a letter now. You're Scottish, get over it. You know, I'm still trying, still trying to find a way to escape. But there it is. And they read this, and they, they'll post it online. I'm opening up my results now. And they're so excited. I, I enjoy that, actually. I think that's fun. The Bible is your ancestry in the Lord. The paper's left behind. So as you read them, understand this. I'm going through my father's papers at present. My mama gave me a couple big boxes. Actually, a whole lot. And then a couple really big bags. She said, I don't think anything's in there important. So she had just crammed it in the bags. And she was right, by the way. You go through, and it's, it's numbers. You know, the, this account, which was closed out this time, and the Medicare thing that time, and, uh, you know, veterans. And it gets very, very complicated, especially when you've moved back and forth across the water as much as my family has. So I'm trying to sort it through, and I see his sermons, boxes of his sermons. 
I'll never preach those sermons. But it tells me about the man who did, about his world, the churches that lined up to try to get him to come there to speak. And so when I look at the sermons and speeches in Scripture, it reminds me. Why are those long list of generations given all that land allocation stuff? Because it was important to these people to know who they were and where they belonged and that we are their children. We were not newly born with Jesus. We were, as Paul said, grafted on the tree of the Jews. They are us. We are them because we are believers in God. Now, get along. Paul said. In fact, he said, if you don't get along, remember, you're the grafted in, not the native. It's a fascinating story. I'm not really sure I understand the ramifications of that, to be honest. But I look at it and go, maybe we should just treat everybody nice. Maybe we should just be Christian because I read the Bible and see what happens when we're not. Paul told Timothy, all in the famous passage, let's bring it up, 2 Timothy 2, 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Let's put this up there. Keep it up. Now, remember the King James says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You really need the King James and the NIV to work this out. Or if you have the, the new Revised Standard Version, that's an excellent one. Um, the message is a great one just for personal devotions. Not entirely accurate, but it, it gets the jest in. You can get to heaven using it. So we look at all this. What, it, what is missing in this? I want you to think about what's missing in this passage. I'd heard it preached scores of times as I grew up, but none of us ever slammed on the brakes and said, wait a minute. We were told it had something to do with the right and the old, uh, the old and the new covenant. Had you ever been taught that? Rightly divide the word of truth. Remember, that one belongs to the old days. This one belongs to the new days. Problem is, Timothy would have never heard of a new testament or new covenant. It hadn't been written. Actually, the, the book he was reading, he didn't know was part of it. This is all new. So it wasn't saying divide old and new. We acted sometimes if, as, if, as if they said something completely different that went like, read and believe the Bible and obey it. It's not what it says. Whether the old Bible, new Bible, the one yet to come, doesn't, it doesn't say that. It indicates Timothy has some work to do. Did any of you have a received faith? A faith that was just handed to you? Here's what we believe. Here's why we believe it. And those that don't are out of the, out of the club. Right? And, we, and I did. I don't know. I, I absolutely did. Believed it. Swallowed it 100%. Is that what he's saying? No. No, that's not what he's doing here. He's telling him, when you read the Bible, you've got to remember what you're reading. It's our story. And it was written by a lot of folk. But it's a complicated story. I, when I first got here back in uh, early, it was January of 2014, I did a series called Our God and Our Book. If you were not here at that time, please go back and listen to it. I don't ever, as far as I can remember, this is the first time I've ever asked the church to go listen to an old sermon. But there are about six of them, I think. And we use the issue of women in, in worship <clears throat> excuse me, you used to be able to turn your head from the microphone, now they strap you in. Um, to, um, we use that, the issue of women as worship as, as a way to study it. But our God in our book, go have a listen. 
One of the things I said back then, repeatedly I'll say again now, a text without a context is a pretext. What do I mean by that? I grew up with concordance sermons. Now, if you don't know what a concordance is, I'm not sure you're really a Christian because you're supposed to have... <clears throat> we had strong... And you can still buy these. And they're massive, but they don't cost that much because they're way out of copyright. Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Anybody else have one of those? Yeah, we have some people here that are pre-internet. Yes. It tells you every single time every word appears in Scripture, even the word a, an, and the. And so by young preachers would grab their concordance. Thunk. I'm going to preach on grace. Every time the word grace is found. And they just, I, the, the verses would machine gun you like a Spanish speaker. I'm sorry. I know Spanish, but not at that speed. You have to slow way down. Almost like you're on quaaludes, but that dates me to the 70s. Anyway, <laughs> hey, hey, they knew what it was right here. <laughs> Shepherds, please watch these people. <laughs> the verse is just without any context. Who said it? Who did they say it to? When did they say it? What was going on in the local group? What was going on in the greater culture? That was not ever discussed. I want you to think about going to the, li uh, the library and getting 66, just to pick a number, random books written by different people. You can have a favorite author there that, that wrote a bunch. And then do a word search on them, find every time they used any word, and then act like they all meant the same thing when they said it. No, they didn't. Words change. According, you can cross the border, cross a line, and words change. Oh, people. In Britain, I've had people say, we're from America. And I'm going, we know. <laughs> we know. You call the bonnet a hood. You call the boot a trunk. You call the wing a fender. You call that bit, bit of glass there a, a windshield, like you're under attack. It's a windscreen. That's what it is. You have a glove compartment, and you don't wear gloves. <laughs> I could go on. Oh, I could. The point being, if you're reading something by a British guy, maybe that should be factored in. I've, I even had one time a person said, you spelled theater wrong. No, I didn't. You guys are flipping letters about like you owned them. The point, you, but do you understand the point? There, is, there, there are authors I, I really enjoy reading, like Lewis Smedes, the, the, the late great Lewis Smedes, wrote some books on forgiveness. But you have to remember, he was a Dutchman writing in English, therefore it doesn't always translate the way you might think. When you read the Bible, that's got to be in there. There are, how are we going to interpret this? Well, that's where we go to the larger group. The collective wisdom of the historical, linguistic, and Christian community for every part of the body. That's the Bible. That's why the Bible says no scriptures of private interpretation. Don't rip it out of context. Instead, put it back in its context and work with the community to understand what it means for us. And much more can be said, but not by me, because you're sleep deprived. Some, 
one person on the safety team, this pie was the, was the slowest to start filling in. And they said, why, where's everybody? And I, and I said, well, one person brought up very quickly, time change. This pie is where a lot of our youngest babies are brought. Babies don't like time change. I don't either. It's still, you're trying to make your blanket longer by cutting the foot off the top and sewing it on the bottom. It makes no sense, people. <laughs> Spoken as a person who um, really approves of Greenwich Mean Time, the entire island, right under that one. But since time is limited, I want to talk to you about, if you want to study the Bible, I want to talk to you about a reading plan. It was in your e-blast. Those that follow me on Facebook, first of all, sorry. Second, it was on there as well. Let's, let's walk through this a little bit. First, read the Gospel of Mark. Why, Mark? It's shorter. It'll give you a series, a sense, a false sense of accomplishment. It's, but also, Mark is a series of vignettes, small stories. And at this point, when you start reading the Bible, small stories. That's a really good idea. It breaks down that way. Don't do it by chapters. Do it by story. Do it by event. Then, Matthew. Why? Because Matthew tells stories that Mark tells, but then he adds a little bit of context about the Jewish thought of the time. And this is pretty important stuff. Then John. Why John? Because it's completely different. Almost all the miracles in John don't show up in the others and vice versa. Why? The, the thought, well, there are those people that say, well, John didn't write it. I think John wrote it. So there you are. But I think John wrote it when he realized he was dying in his 90s and a lot of the stories had not been told. So he wrote the stories. Then go back to Luke and run right through to Acts because Acts is Luke 2, the return, the sequel. Now go back and read John again. Why? You've got to get the theology of John and light and dark before you go any further. Then read Hebrews. Why? Because it exalts the Jesus you've just been reading about. It puts him where he belongs, up on high, no other above him. Then read Romans. Why? Because it will tell you how to start behaving so you can, be, you can be there. You can be with Jesus. Then go back and read Matthew again. Why? Because you need to hear the stories. You can move on. <clears throat> then read the Psalms. Not all of them. Not 1 through 50. Just dip in and out. See which ones are hitting you right now. Because if you don't, if you try, I'm going to read the book of Psalms this week. You're going to get nothing out of it. You aren't. Because love you, Jesus, or love you, God, where are you, God? <laughs> I hate these people. I love these people. It's, read through. Just over one-third of them are complaint psalms. Once you find those, you can go right to them on a bad day. But find, just find which ones speak to you. Why? It's a songbook. It's a songbook. We don't sing songs from one to the end. Thank goodness. There's some real stinkers in there. I'll give you a list if you want. The, uh, my, list, my list differs than Mark, so let's just put it this way. <laughs> we have had discussions over the, li the list, but I still love Mark. The, um, then read, after, after, you, after you lock this down, then read Genesis. Why? Because now you know the players, and you know how it's going to happen, and this is exciting. Boom, in the beginning. And then read Exodus, because people, all kinds of sex, drugs, and rock and roll in Exodus. But then what? Go back to Psalms, kind of need to clear your head. Sing some different songs. Then read Job. Why? Because you got to read it somewhere. And if you're having struggle now with all this great story, then why am I suffering? Read Job. 
because people suffer. That's why. Then Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Stick with it. You, you'll get through it. You don't have to, it, you know, oh, great, another meal offering and a linen ephod. It's all right. These are people. These are our ancestors showing us how they survived. Then Romans again. You got to get, uh, Martin Luther was right. The, the first Martin Luther, the, the German uh, theologian. When he said, if all he had was the book of Romans, anyone can make it to heaven. And they're right. So read Romans again. Then Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Why? Because that's Romans applied. That's the gospels applied. As David Lipscomb, maybe you heard of him, local boy, made well, you know, good, made good of himself. He said that when you read anything by Paul, you need to remember that Paul was like us, trying to find a way to apply the stories of the Gospels to his reality wherever he was. Context is everything. Then, then read a chronological, you know, bail, just get out of this program, read a chronological version of Scripture, especially if you can find one that doesn't divide by chapters and verses. It's more of a story. If it's a read through the Bible in a year thing, fine. But that's, that's not really studying. Studying takes more time. Why do we do all this? Because we weren't told, read it, believe it, that settles it. We were told, read it well. Accurately divide the word. Be thoughtful. But keep Jesus in mind. Mark, if you'll bring your team up. <clears throat> When we read this, by the way, there's nothing inspired about the version I just gave you, the order. Nothing. I had a friend read it and they sent me a message saying, you know, I would have moved Leviticus here and Deuteronomy there. And they have an excellent point. Others are saying, I would have repeated this book here. Find a way to do it. Why do I do it this way? Because I do not believe you can understand the Psalms, Leviticus, Ezekiel, period, Job, any of them, if you don't know Jesus. So you always come back to the stories. Would you stand, please? A theologian I know, respect and trust, gave me the line that I've used many times. The Old Testament is an argument about God. Jesus answers the argument. Jesus ends the argument. And I would go further, and I would say the rest of the New Testament is the application of the answer, Jesus, to our situation. But you have to know his voice. We don't know much about sheep, because sheep's not a big deal in America. But, you know, in some sections, yeah, sure. But let me just tell you, whenever you, you don't herd sheep, you know, a doggy can sort them out and move them about, but that's only in a field. To pull them from the wilds and get them home, they hear your voice. Well, sometimes it's a mechanical voice. British Land Rovers are famous for being noisy, clunky beast. And as a shepherd would drive the Land Rover, you'd see his sheep coming, the other one's not. They knew his, his truck. You need to know the voice of Jesus. Saturate yourself in the voice of Jesus. And then the rest of the books open up like a flower. And you'll be able to see, oh, in my context... This is what my Lord requires. Let us always put Jesus at the front of our mind. Let us rightly divide the word of faith given to us.